Yo, what's up, baby? This is Burt Watson, and you're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters, baby. The best sports podcast on the internet. The only one I know. Your night, your fight, you need to get it right and listen to Pro Sports Podcasters all night long. Boom! We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcasters. I'm your co-host, Neewals Bruce, and I am joined by Mr. Corbett Durant, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? Doing fantastic, buddy. How are you doing? I'm great. We had a special guest on today, someone I know quite well. If you follow the score and their MLB coverage, you'll know him, you'll know him quite well because he's the senior editor there. It is Mr. Brian McWilliam. Brian, how's it going? Good. How are you? Hey, it's a pleasure to have you on. And in addition to baseball, you also do a little bit of uh, roller derby, right? That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a, a hobby slash passion of mine. All right. Well, we're going to get into that later. So, mate, just first off, how's the MLB season been looking for you so far? Uh, it's been an exciting season. A lot more action this year. A lot more balls in play. Uh, dominant pitching, as always. There's a lot of fun teams out there. Uh, some disappointments as well, but overall, a really, really fun product so far this season. Yeah, for sure. And it seems the AL East is dominant, as always. We could potentially have four teams in the in the playoff conversation come the fall. What are you seeing from the from the Blue Jays right now? It's uh, been a pretty good start to the month, that's for sure. They have been scoring runs, which is nice. Well, if you're a Blue Jays fan, considering uh, how they got started off this season, uh, I think so far in June, they lead the league in runs scored and, and offensive war, which is, again, great if you're a Blue Jays fan. They've had a pretty soft schedule uh, recently, aside from playing the Twins, but yeah, they've uh, they've been they're hitting the ball like they were last season, which is a a, a good sign for them. And uh, the pitching has been good, good moments, some bad moments. Kevin Gossman has been pretty uh, outstanding, aside from his last start, but I think he was tipping some pitches at his at his last start. And um, yeah, it's it's Alec Manoa is incredible. But yeah, it's 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 been a solid year for them. They're ten games over five hundred, so that's 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 a good thing, indeed. Yeah, I I, I kind of want to just go back a second here. How long have you been with the score? Seven years, seven going on eight years, and it's experienced some significant changes as to what it's about since then, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So now you have sort of more of an online presence than say a cable presence. Uh, has there been a lot of turnover at the score? Is it most of the same people there? Like how how are things moving along there? From moving from broadcasting to online, yes, yeah, it's it's uh, different. Um, so you can obviously do the research on this, but uh, when the broadcasting company was um, purchased by Rogers, they did some switchover, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just a different different team of people. Um, but it's it's an incredible place to work. I, I enjoy it quite a bit, and uh, yeah, I'd say we're 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 growing every day, and it's. Uh, 
it's it's an honor and a privilege to work there. Now, with single line sports betting, sports books and such being legal now in Canada, is that a direction that they're really starting to focus on? It's one of the directions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, uh, they've, they've put a lot of time and effort into that direction. It's, yes, one that they're putting time and substantial time and effort into. Now, previous to working there, what sports were you a fan of? Baseball is obviously one. Uh, yeah. I played baseball at a pretty high level growing up. I also actually covered the National Hockey League before joining the score and through the first six months of my tenure there. Okay. Professional wrestling is, uh, is one of my, one of my uh, uh, go-tos, although yeah. I haven't really been tuned in uh, as much lately. Roller derby is an alternative sport that I really enjoy that I also play and used to coach. I love the NBA. I live in Toronto, so I'm a Raptors fan. And I'm also, unfortunately, right now, a Lakers fan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, like there isn't much that I don't watch. Okay. So just a huge sports fan in general. Yeah. And you currently compete in roller derby, right? I do. Yes. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, Yeah, I, I currently play for Toronto Men's Roller Derby, which is... Uh, a league that I helped co-found in 2011, I believe, December 2011. So yeah, I've been playing with them for over 10 years. I used to coach the Toronto Roller Derby League, which is uh, the WFTDA version of uh, Roller Derby. And that was one of the bigger leagues in North America for a really long time. I coached with our Canadian national program and helped us win a bronze medal in 2018 at the World Championships. And I played for the Canadian men's national team in Barcelona in 2018 as well. That's crazy. I've, I've heard none of this. This is not <laughs> something you get to hear about. Yeah. And hopefully it's something that comes to the surface or to the, the mainstream more in the future. If you don't mind, what's your outlook for roller derby in general? It's obviously been impacted by the pandemic the last couple of years, but how's it looking for the next, say, two, three years? It's going to be a difficult path for them, in my opinion. Um, they actually had hit a quite a peak, I'm going to say, a few years before the pandemic. They were featured on ESPN, uh, the, the WFTDA championship specifically. They had some star players that were getting some recognition outside of the alternative DIY like section of roller derby. So a young lady named Lauren Much was sponsored by Red Bull. Uh, she's a very, very popular athlete. There is another lady, um, Francine Ranjon, who was in the Red Bull Crashed Ice. And obviously the big one is Aaron Jackson, who recently won a gold medal in the Olympics in speed skating. So they're all roller derby players or former roller derby players who were um, in, in the spotlight. But as you said, with COVID has caused a lot of leagues to fall apart. And some people are having a tough time getting things back together just because in roller derby, you're looking at venues that, you know, are a little more affordable, but with things changing in the global landscape, those affordable places are no longer affordable and the leagues cannot afford them. And the players kind of used COVID to find another hobby, you know, something that wasn't taking up their whole time in in, in life. Uh, I know personally a, a handful 
that just decided to go back to school and have a career change. And then that has changed their lives. They don't have the time for roller derby anymore. So I do think there's a, a tough road for them coming up, but I think the sport is going to, going to survive. And hopefully with uh, roller skating becoming more popular again, mm-hmm. uh, because it was an outdoor activity that you could do during COVID, hopefully more players will be found and the sport will continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. Now, is roller derby strictly indoors or can, can it be played outdoors as well? You can, you can do both. Uh, normally, it's played indoors. Yeah, practices, games, etc. But there are leagues that do play outdoors. Argentina's main league, they practice outdoors. They, I've seen them have games outdoors. I've personally played in games outdoors. They're a lot of fun. But it's just more of a like a temp check kind of thing. If you're playing outside when it's 38 degrees Celsius or something, it's it's really difficult to perform at that level um, with the amount of gear we play and the contact. And also the surfaces outside, uh, it's a different kind of concrete. So we usually play on polished concrete indoors or some kind of lacquered wood or something. Uh, so when you hit the floor, it doesn't hurt as much as if you were to hit you know, outdoor concrete or asphalt or something. So it's it's a safety thing as well. For sure. And just bringing it back closer to home, if someone in Ontario wanted to get into roller derby, how would they go about that? What's the, the website or the social media handle for that? Yeah, so it depends on the city that you're living in. And it's always a good thing to just Google your friend, type in your city name and the, the term roller derby and you will find something. If you don't have a league that's local, you'll find something close by. So for instance, in Toronto, if you were to type in Toronto Roller Derby, most likely you'll have the Toronto Roller Derby League pop up, followed by the Toronto Men's Roller Derby League pop up, and then probably some local, I would assume some local like suburbs, I'm trying to think which one would be the closest, probably Durham Region, There's, there's a league in Peterborough, there are leagues, there's a league, still a bunch of leagues in Ontario. So yeah, Google's your friend, you would be able to find it. Yeah, there's 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 leagues out there. And if people are interested, roller derby is a very inclusive sport. Uh, it's the toughest thing you'll ever do. But it's inclusive. It's a great community. And you'll meet lots of cool people when you get to do something cool, uh, as far as uh, playing a sport. I like the sound of that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I want to ask so much about this because I've always found it kind of an interesting thing and you never get to hear too much about it. Uh, first of all, are the tracks standardized or can every track be different? They're standardized. Okay, so every track's the same. Yes, yeah, so the um, governing bodies, so the WFTDA, which stands for the Women's Flat Track Derby Association, and the MRDA, the Men's Roller Derby Association, and then the JRDA, which is the Junior Roller Derby Association, they all have guidelines for how a track has to be laid. And in order to practice scrimmage or play on them properly, like regulation for like by regulations, uh, there's a standard size for it. Okay. And are you, do you have a choice between roller skates and roller blades or is it one specifically now? For players, they have to be quad roller skates. Okay. Uh, so like the, you know, the things you would see in the seventies, referees are allowed to wear inlines, uh, but it's, it's pretty abnormal. You mostly see everybody wearing quads. All right. And then there is a, I guess there's a a large number of people that that when they think roller derby, they think of, you know, back in the day, roller derby, and they they feel it's fixed, similar to wrestling. It isn't, correct? 
That's right. Yeah, that was called Roller Jam. And that's okay. that's exactly what I thought Roller Derby is when I first saw it. Um, and like first got invited to go see a game and was like, oh, I'm going to see that stuff. But it's nowhere close to that anymore. Um, that was entertainment, like you said, very, very much like professional wrestling. Uh, now it is uh, legit and competitive and it is not fixed. Um, and the score is not previously or like predetermined. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 uh, it's a competition. OK. And then what's the time commitment for someone like you? Currently, uh not as much as it used to be. Um, I have a family. I have a young son. When I was uh, more, I guess, single, <laughs> it was, and I was coaching and playing and doing national program. It was every day. Okay. Whether I was on my skates every day uh, competing or whether I was at the gym training, whether I was at like sitting on phone calls with players, I, it was every day. It was an everyday thing for me. So it was my part-time job. Uh, now, I just compete, so I have to keep myself in pretty good shape um, and play for the Toronto Men's League. It's it's still an everyday thing because I enjoy the gym and putting on my skates, but I'm I'm not competing or I'm not locked in almost what feels like 24/7, 365. Okay, and the Toronto Men's League is it does it take place all at one location or are there multiple? We play, or sorry, we practice at the Brampton Rollerplex uh, in Brampton, Ontario. Yeah. And that's just on Saturdays, Saturday mornings. Uh, sometimes if we're heading into competition, we'll up the practices to two times a week. And we usually practice at a small gym in Toronto. And then, yeah, we, we play currently, again, COVID, there mm -hmm. aren't a lot of opportunities to play because leagues are still coming back and going through safety protocols. Some areas in North America aren't, uh, they haven't really hit their, their safety tiers yet as far as um, like their city handling COVID. Yeah. So uh, there aren't a lot of opportunities, but we recently played in Cleveland and we're going to a tournament uh, in a suburb of Pittsburgh at the end of June to play a tournament, which is actually going to be a lot of fun. We're playing some of the top teams in the world. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Right on. And then so on your particular team, how many players are there? Currently, I believe our league, we actually had uh, a rise in, in recruitment after COVID. I just believe because there was a lot of leagues, uh, unfortunately, crumbling. So they came to us. Mm -hmm. I believe we're in the 25 range right now. Okay. Um, for, a, for a game, you can put 15 on, on your bench. Obviously, rosters can fluctuate. But yeah, yeah, I think we're about 25 right now. And that like regularly, like we still have people who drop in, who just come to kind of like work out with us and just to kind of keep their skate legs for when their leagues come back. But yeah, regularly about 25. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, to me, it sounds like something that could lend itself to like a Netflix show or something like that, right? If you were to film a season with X number of teams. Yeah, I believe, I believe they've gotten some television programs if I could remember the titles, I would give them. A&E did one early on when it was still kind of more of a entertainment. And they're uh, like Angel City Roller Derby from Los Angeles, which is one of the more popular leagues. They were featured in a television show, okay. I'd say, uh, the year before COVID. Like there, there's, there's some publicity out there. But yeah, I think a Netflix show, kind of like a Drive to Survive version, yeah. uh, where you get to kind of see the the behind the scenes stuff would be entertaining because well, 
roller derby has its its uh, what we present to the public. You know, people on skates skating on a track hitting each other. There are other things behind the scenes that are interesting as well, and it kind of gives you an inside look into how to be part of the community, how to be a member of a, the community that runs a league. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I find interesting that I think viewers would find interesting as well. Yeah, I just think it would lend itself to that. Yeah, and definitely would give great insights into the just the wonderful sport. And I know Netflix has a office in Toronto, a big office, so I'm sure you can get that done. And I just going back to the the hardball, the stickball, if you will. What's your take on the I guess the the rise of the New York and LA teams in the in the major leagues this season? They're good. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of fans. It's not it's not surprising whatsoever. The Dodgers have a gigantic payroll, like mm-hmm. very very large. I think they're paying over forty seven million dollars in luxury tax, and they don't seem to care. They just want to win, and they're deep, and they're Los Angeles. You know, they have the fan base to back it up. They have an intelligent front office. They had no issue going out and getting Freddie Freeman when they really didn't need Freddie Freeman. The Yankees are always going to be a team that will contend. It's been quite a while since they've won a World Series, but with that being said, they they go to the postseason every year. They've had some pretty deep runs, and they're doing this with a team that annually is goes through injury issues. But hey, look, they're <laughs> 24 games over 500 right now. Right. Like they're, they're really, really good. And then the Mets, they, you know, it's always been tough to be a Mets fan because something always happens. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's a strange team, a strange organization, a strange franchise. Just things happen with them. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate things happen. But they finally have an owner that has bought in, who has very deep pockets, who wants to win and is willing to pay to put that good product, not even good, great product on the field. And it's showing this season. This season, they have they went and got an experienced manager in Buck Showalter, who's having a positive effect on the players. And wherever he goes, he wins. So it's been very clear since Steve Cohen took over as owner that the mission is to win. And I think this year, they're on the right path. They obviously have some tough teams in their way. Los Angeles, uh, San Diego, but they just played Los Angeles and split a series mm-hmm. at Chavez Ravine. They just beat San Diego last night. Mm-hmm. So you're you're talking about New York and Los Angeles. Like those are some of the best teams in baseball. The Angels were looking good until this 12 game losing streak. <laughs> yeah. But you know what are you supposed to do when Mike Trout's going through the worst stretch of his career, and you know Otani isn't the Otani from last season. He's still very very good, but. Last season was just an, an incredible anomaly to witness. But uh, teams go through rough stretches, and the Angels are going through a very rough stretch right now. It is ironic that Mike Trout's stretch began or was started around the time when Tommy Pham called him out as the worst fantasy football commissioner in fantasy sports. <laughs> I don't know if that has any impact on his day-to-day preparation, but it was kind of funny. Uh, do you play fantasy f- sports yourself? Yes, yes. I partake in fantasy football, fantasy hockey, fantasy baseball. I'd say I'm more into fantasy baseball and like I, I write about it at the score before the fantasy season starts. 
So I enjoy fantasy baseball more, but I do partake in fantasy football and fantasy hockey just with friends and, and co-workers here or there. Right. This episode is brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's most trusted sports book with betting options available from every sport you can imagine. From futures and moneyline betting to real-time live betting during games, Sports Interaction offers its customers the most competitive odds in Canada. So head on over to our website and sign up today as Sports Interaction also has a nice deposit bonus if you click on the link. It's available in every province from coast to coast. And now back to the show. How do you stick out the season in fantasy baseball? Because it's a long season. It's a very long season. I find that the easiest way for me to last the whole season is to constantly think about trying to win. So I check my fantasy. I'm not obsessive about it, but I check my fantasy stats every day. I make sure that my lineups, uh, obviously because I work in the industry, I can see the lineups very quickly. Uh, I make sure my lineups are set and I have the the hottest players playing before uh, the games start. And my fantasy baseball league at work is just a lot of fun. There's some really intelligent people that are in the league who know the game really well. So you, you, want, to, you want to beat them. So that's what keeps me active is like trying to beat my coworkers and friends every day. For sure. And the typical baseball day can be quite long. It can start at midday and finish, you know, up past midnight Eastern. What does that look like for you typically in terms of um, a work day at the score? Yeah, it can, it can be long. So it depends on when working. So at the score where we're on shift work. So you're either on the morning news cycle or the evening news slash game cycle. So the morning news cycle, as you, you folks know in sports, it begins 8 a.m., sometimes earlier, because I also cover Formula One. So Formula One news comes in at strange times because of where they're located for the races around the world. But typically it begins, the news cycle begins at 8 a.m., goes till 4 p.m., so during a morning shift. You're looking for news stories, like you're you're out there trying to find something. It's not typically related to the game per se. Uh, you're looking for anything interesting that people would be interested in reading. And then as far as game coverage goes, you know, if you're not at a stadium interviewing players for a news story, then you're waiting for lineups to be dropped so that those lineups can be revealed to the public. And then... That's pretty much like around 4 p.m. is when another news cycle starts because that's usually when you're talking to people before games begin. Um, but this, the baseball schedule has been much different this year. There's been a lot of day games, a lot of matinees. Uh, I've actually enjoyed it quite a bit. You know, 135 starts um, on a Wednesday or Thursday. Well, you know, weren't completely abnormal it's they're they're more often now and it's it's been good so it switches you up a little bit but yeah just a lot of a lot of game watching a lot of trying to find storylines within games and that's that's it looking for big highlights (laughs) you're always looking for highlights yeah and uh that's a typical day nice that's a dream day and especially now with the uh the 11:35 starts on sundays (laughs) <laughs> the <laughs> breakfast at champions now you mentioned you cover f1 were you surprised by uh ferrari's performance so far this season before the season uh, you know what of course it's surprising to see ferrari not doing 
extremely well per se. Like they weren't doing poor, but mm -hmm. they weren't doing extremely well. But no, I wasn't surprised because they had eyes on this season. They were, I don't feel like they were trying their best to win the past few seasons. Whereas okay. this season, I think this was the season that they had their eyes on as far as innovation, as far as the amount of time and effort put into the car. Um, I think they just overall, they, they had eyes on this season. It was like they, they realized they weren't going to be able to dethrone Mercedes. Red Bull is obviously incredible as well. Yeah. And they, they kind of viewed themselves as a third place team. So this season, obviously things have changed and things are looking much, much better for them. And I think this is the Ferrari team that everybody was waiting to see. And they're, they're fantastic with Leclerc and Sainz. Now, previous to the season beginning, there was a lot of talk about Sonoda at AlphaTauri being like the next wonderkin. How do you feel about his performance so far? Sonoda is incredibly fast, but I'm not sure if he is the next wonderkin per se. Okay. Uh, he, he's a little reckless. And even though he's, he's spending a lot of time physically and mentally and even with his crew just kind of taking advice a little bit better, at least from what I've seen, because there's a lot of things behind the scenes that you don't see until drive, the new season of Drive to Survive comes out. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think he is putting in the effort to be a little bit more controlled. But when you're as fast as he is, uh, you he, he can be a little reckless. And I think his first season, for example, he he crashed a lot. He crashed the car a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously not going to make ownership very, very happy because that costs more and more money uh, to repair. But uh, yeah, he's, he's an incredible talent. I, I'll give him that. And I enjoy watching him race, especially on a team with Pierre Gasly, who is one of my personal favorites. Okay. And hey, if that is the, the second team for, for Red Bull, like they've, they've obviously got a great product um, overall. Now, F1's always had a dedicated fan base, truly dedicated. But since Drive to Survive, you now have a much larger, almost casual audience that's starting to tune in. Do you, do you notice that at the score? Yeah, oh, 100%. I'm not, I can't really get into like numbers per se. Yeah. But yes, we have definitely seen a larger fan engagement in our content. We've been producing more content than we were in the past uh, related to F1. The knowledge base of the writers who cover the sport has gotten higher just because we're also more tuned in than we were in the past. And the product is just more fun. So I think with the product being more fun combined with Drive to Survive's popularity, you're seeing, like you said, more casual fans. Mm -hmm. And with more casual fans, you're, you're just seeing more public eye on the sport. And with more public eye in the sport, it's forcing the sport to be more entertaining. So it's a great thing because we're getting a more entertaining product than we were in the past. Um, the personalities in F1 are incredible from drivers to team principals to owners. So it's, it's a very entertaining product. And you're also seeing it's really starting to grow in the United States. And when things start to grow in the United States, the overall popularity continues to grow globally. For sure, for sure. And so while creeping your profile online, by the way, great pictures, great pictures, buddy. Thank you. It says that you're a fan of boxing, which you don't find that many anymore with the emergence of MMA. Are you a dedicated fan of boxing? 
I am. Yes. I, I've been told that I'm the boxing guy at work. I'm it's yes, I'm like the lead guy, I guess you could say I, I don't like titles like that. But I am a dedicated boxing fan. And I put a lot of time into boxing. Okay, Canelo's loss, good or bad for the sport? Oh, um, I think it will be good. Because Canelo was pretty unstoppable. He did run through a very quote unquote, like weak division to become an undisputed champion. Like there wasn't a lot of really tough competition in that division for him. And he went up a weight class, like quite a bit in weight to fight Bivol. And it's nice to see, you know, the unstoppable lose sometimes, but it's giving him, I feel like more direction and purpose. So he's going to get this triple G fight. i sort of out of the way. I guess is the right way to put it because everybody's wanted it for so long. I think it's should have happened a long time ago, but he's going to get this out of the way. I feel like if I had to predict, he's going to win that fight. And then he's going to have like his target set on Bivol. And I think he's going to come back with a vengeance. Canelo is a, is a fiery individual. He uh, has a plan. He always has a plan, which is kind of like I didn't feel like he had a plan against Bivol which is um which is why he lost but he usually has a plan and I think he's going to have quite a plan for Bivol when he meets him again because they are going to meet again and I think uh he's going to win okay and and for the casual fan are there any sort of up-and-comers any names that people should be aware of maybe tune into if they find out they're gonna gonna be on tv for sure if you're new into boxing Obviously, Canelo is a great person to watch. He's fun. Uh, he gets big audiences. It's entertainment when he's got a about uh, just everything from his ring walk to the way he fights. So Canelo's entertaining. Uh, Gervonta Davis, Tank, yes, is he's got quite a following already. But he's a very entertaining fighter. He's fun. He's flashy. He fights good competition. He's he knocks people out. He's he's a very very entertaining fighter. And my personal favorite um, is Shakur Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson is young. He's, I don't want to say flashy, but he reminds me of Floyd Mayweather. Um, The the personality, the way he fights, so he doesn't get hit. He has almost mastered at a young age how not to get hit. Now, he's not a big knockout artist. He's not going to give you some like highlight reel knockout every time he's out there but he does have punching power. But what's incredible about him is if you're into the science of boxing, yes, he's, he's, he's a great, great fighter to watch because he's just so talented and so skilled at such a young age and he's only going to get better. Okay. Okay. Now that's one I wasn't aware of. I've watched a lot of Davis's fights just because they're fantastic to watch, but I, I did not know about Shakur Stevenson. That's a, that's a good one to add to the list now. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to ask, Brian, about your thoughts on the Devin Haney, George Cambosis fight on the weekend. It, it would appear that after the result, there's going to be a rematch. What's, what are your thoughts on that? Is, are things going to be different next time around? I do. There's a rematch. So Cambosis gets a rematch. It was in the, in the contract and it's going to be in Australia again. Devin Haney is for a while, again, in my opinion, has been the top guy in that division. He is a skilled boxer, as we saw in the Cambosis fight. Cambosis had that incredible win over Teofimo Lopez, but he wasn't fighting Teofimo Lopez at 100%. Teofimo Lopez went into that with some issues that were outside of the ring, financial issues, some 
family issues and it was it's all public it's all disclosed and he also had some issues with his lungs so he wasn't breathing very well and he still went the distance with cambosis so i think we're going to see tiafimo when he fights next you're going to see uh an animal released from a cage i think he's going to do some incredible things but uh devin haney outboxed george cambosis devin haney was the superior fighter going into it and he just he he put on a classy performance it was not the most entertaining performance according to like just some fan things that I've read online after the, the event was over. But I enjoyed it. I like watching a skilled boxer go to work and uh, we got to see one. And I think in the rematch, Cambosis is going to obviously have to change his game plan, but it's going to be very difficult to beat a skilled fighter like Devin Haney, even on his own, own in, on his own turf in Australia. Yeah, for sure. And sorry, D. sorry for what? Oh, cause he's Australian. <laughs> to think about that for a second <laughs> no i think haney was i think haney deserved it haney was better and Cambosis has to step up now we got to see what his rider reply is going to be <laughs> no i'm not going to get upset because he lost it's, <laughs> it happens cove it happens yeah you'll notice i didn't bring up any of the canadian uh, drivers in f1 kind of avoided that subject so, <laughs> right, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Brian, so what, what led you to doing what you do? How'd you get into it? It was uh, a swing for the fences. I was working a typical nine to five. So I, little background, I played baseball, like high school baseball. I was supposed to go to university to play baseball. And um, just, I had um, someone in my family wasn't, was ill. So I chose um, not to go and to help take care of them. Okay. And with with that happening, I had to move into the workforce and help support my home life, uh, my family a little bit. So uh, I was still working in that industry. I was it was working in logistics nine to five until I was about twenty seven years old, and I just I just wasn't what I wanted to do. So I had a, a vacation and I reflected on, on my vacation and I was like, "Is this what I want to do?" And the answer was no. And I decided that I was already doing some part-time sports writing just for like a small blog. Okay. And I was working at the stadium actually selling beer um, at, at the <laughs> Rogers Center. I was just around sports all the time anyway. And I was like, well, I could make this a career. I can't play anymore. I can still play sports at like an amateur level or something. But uh, how can I do this? And uh, while I was reflecting, I remembered my high school English teacher being like, you're a very good writer. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just go back to college and give it a shot. And I took a journalism program at George Brown College, took some other just like journalism courses at uh, University of Toronto and finished everything. And uh, I got lucky. I managed to meet somebody in the industry who got me an internship at the Hockey News. Mm -hmm. And the uh, managing editor there, Edward Frazier, just gave me my shot. And uh, I worked hard and... That led into other opportunities. Um, I've worked at the Hockey News. I worked at Sportsnet. And then I worked at The Score. And I've loved the atmosphere and my position at The Score. I haven't, I haven't left. <laughs> now, have you ever had a, a fanboy moment with anyone you've interviewed or met? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I met Bobby Orr when I was working at the Hockey News. So oh, that, wow. was, that was a, quite a day. I've never met a stronger individual 
in my entire life because Bobby Orr is like a country strong, you know, lifting hay bales <laughs> kind of guy. Yeah. And I shook his hand and he had like catcher's mitts for hands. They were huge. They were kind of rough, you know, like that, like that used catcher mitt feel. And his hand engulfed my hand when he shook it. And I thought it was being crushed by like, like a tank or something. It was the hardest handshake I've ever felt in my life. And this man was like three times as old as I was. So at the time, so it was an incredible moment just to meet him. He was so nice. He was just so pleasant. Uh, and but just knowing that I shook the hand of somebody who's gone through so much in sports and has mm-hmm. just done so many incredible things. That was a fanboy moment. And then I also met one of my idols, not in a sports capacity. Uh, well, kind of sort of. I was on vacation and I went to Madison Square Garden to watch the Knicks and Lakers. And I met uh, The Rock, who oh. I'm a big fan of. And he was obviously a presence. He's a very large individual. And uh, I just was polite about going up and just saying hello. And he, he like engaged in conversation and he was he was such a nice, such a nice gentleman and uh, so open minded about just meeting fans. And he didn't know who I was as a sports writer or anything like I didn't approach him with credentials or anything. I just approached him as a fan. And he was uh, a very nice gentleman to meet. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you loved you loved to hear stories like that. And that'll be pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. What was at Madison Square Garden? Was it a wrestling night? I went to see the Knicks and Lakers. And funnily, that was a night. Remember Lynn Sanity, Jeremy? Yes. So it was during Lynn Sanity. And it was the night where he just like dominated Kobe. So Kobe was guarding him the entire night. And he put up, I can't recall, like 36 points on him or something. And it was it was actual Lynn Sanity. I was there and I was like, wow, this is real. I hadn't been to New York during it, except for then, but you're, you see it, you see it like online, you saw it on morning sports shows and you're like, Lynn Sanity, like, it can't be that crazy. This is just like, just like some new guy, but Mm. it was unreal there. You couldn't buy a Jeremy Lynn t-shirt. The fans were all screaming his name. And then for him to have like, almost like a legendary night at a legendary arena against a legendary player, it was a cool thing to be there for. And I didn't know that was going to happen when I bought the tickets. I had bought the tickets like several months before just to go to Madison Square Garden to see the Knicks and Lakers because I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a, a Lakers fan, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it was it was it was cool. It was such a cool experience to be there for that. And then I got to see, meet the Rock, so it was like it was so cool. Yeah, this interview is pretty cool, Brian. We've enjoyed talking to you and enjoyed hearing your insights. Where can we find you on social media? Twitter, if, you, if you're if you interested in baseball, uh, my Twitter is pretty much exclusively baseball. Now, I am not the most active Twitter user. I'm very work-oriented, but I'm on there. If you DM me or just want to at me and just ask a question, I'm available. It's just my name, B-R-Y-A-N-M-C-W-I-L-I-A-M. And that is that's where you would go for baseball. I have a Facebook under the same name, but that's more personal and just more, you're going to see pictures of my kid and stuff. And then I was on Instagram until this whole like hack thing happened to everybody. So uh, I've currently deactivated my Instagram because, well, I just didn't like getting hacked. So Twitter's the best spot to, to take a look. No worries. Just gave you a follow there. So looking Great. forward to that and getting some baseball goodness for the rest of the summer and the fall. Yeah, it's been a great chat, Brian. Enjoyed it. Awesome.
Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was it was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience. Where no sport is left behind.